Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome in to Loretta McNary Live presents Wednesdays with Ian Nod Burrell. She is our fashion and PR guru. And let me tell you, our topic today is so hot. It's feeling like I have a fever already because I'm so <laughs> glad you chose this topic, and you are too. And, again, we are talking primarily about the fashion industry, but let me tell you, these principles that Ian Nod shares will work in any any industry if you work those principles. So I just want to go right in and let Ina introduce the subject herself because I have tons of questions for her. And if you all have questions, you know how to reach her. She's on Twitter. We're on Facebook. So just let those questions roll. The phone number to call in, 347-539-5772. You can call in and talk directly with Ianod, our fashion and PR guru. Good morning, Ianod. Good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It is a beautiful day in the Northern California area, so we had a little rain yesterday, which was good for us, but some don't don't like that. I do. So things are good. <laughs> yeah, I really good. love our topic today, and I got to tell you again, personally on air, thank you so much for for arranging the interview with Patrick Martin uh, with YB Limited. Uh, it yeah. was so amazing. Yes, and we are still moving very aggressively with his brand. Actually, the purses are doing very, very well. And actually, check out this website. We've updated a lot of information from photos and where you can buy, and we hope to be in your area very soon as well. So he enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. So thank you very much for allowing that opportunity. All right, wonderful. Yeah, we, we definitely got to make something happen here in Memphis with, with his organization and with his um, timepieces and that whole fashion um, mm-hmm. thing that he has going on. It is it is tough. He is the next great thing, that's for sure. Yeah, and I'm excited to be a part of that ride, so I agree. I and definitely... he's so excited to have you a part of that. He mentioned that a couple of times during our interview. He just is very uh, appreciative, and he respects your craft and your experience and your tenacity so much. It just came. It was just googling all over him in the interview. So well, it's mutual. You know, <laughs> I I definitely appreciate that. And one thing he did say in the interview that I would encourage for anyone is that he said he watched my work over the years. And that is something that's important when you think about who's going to be working with you. What have they done? What are they doing? What is their reputation? Where have they been? And because our lives are an open book now on the Internet, which is good and bad, depending, but if you keep that integrity at a high level, you never have to worry about any Google or Yahoo searches coming up negative. If you keep things straight and on the high end and just keep your respect level high. You don't have to worry about, oh, I hope this doesn't come up or that doesn't come up. And I've been at the table a number of times with potential clients who said, well, let's just, let me tell you, I've already Googled you. And so there you go. So that, that pretty much gets you to the table, but I appreciate him taking the time. We've known each other over six years, but this is our first time working together. So he took his time, and I can definitely respect that. Yeah, you know, I'm not offended when people tell me that. I love it. I prefer you to tell me that if we're going to have a conversation, a meeting, or you're trying to be on the show, please say those words, I Googled you. Please tell me that because I'm definitely going to Google you and and vet you and everything else. (laughs) Right, the vetting vetting process, definitely, which kind of brings us to – kind of brings us to what we're talking about today. And it's kind of a play on words when you think of social media in the fashion industry because some think of it as a, it could be a takeover or it could be a makeover. And how you view either from a designer paying thousands of dollars to be in a fashion week or something like that, they may say takeover they don't like so much. But makeover they may be a little bit more inclined to embrace because it it kind of, it works to their benefit. So we I just wanted to share a couple of starting out by sharing a couple of statistics which happened at Fashion Week. I did not go to New York but and <laughs> I have to say that I wonder if part of my I won't say reluctancy to go, but part of my 
not really planning to go was because I knew I could view all the shows live online. But I will say there's nothing like being there on the front, second, third row and actually being up and close and personal with the fabrics, the style, the shoes, the all of that, the jewelry. You can see it online. It's great. But to actually be there and, and touch and feel is, is a little different. But in in looking at Fashion Week in New York, and also I like the cold, so I, I'd rather go <laughs> a little colder. And, and that seems crazy to some people, but I, so in September when it's a little colder, I may go. But in looking at the social media platform during Fashion Week, believe it or not, the bloggers have inundated the circuit. And from a blogger perspective, they love that. Others are a little skeptical. So I was doing some research and some reading, and there were over 670,000 tweets about Fashion Week. And the reason I say about Fashion Week is because if you're not specific in using hashtags when you're tweeting, then it mm-hmm. can become kind of a blur. And I'll, I'll just touch on briefly on the hashtags. But you think about 670,000 tweets about and during Fashion Week, that's a lot. And of those, kind of to break it down, hashtags, to me, become the most important thing about tweeting. So I could have 100,000 followers. You have celebrities that have 5,000 followers. But the conversations at some point have to become specific, and that's where the hashtags come in, where they have the, the pound sign, as they would call it, and then a word. Well, those who use the hashtag NYFW for New York Fashion Week, that was over 370,000. But those that use the hashtag Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week or the acronym MBFW was only 43,000. Now, from a sponsor perspective, they don't like that. Because Mercedes-Benz has been sponsoring New York Fashion Week for over 15 years. Clearly, they want to be that top hashtag, if you will, or tweet. But because we have traditionally and over the years, New York Fashion Week, New York Fashion Week, that kind of saturates Mercedes-Benz because it's no longer Mm -hmm. Mercedes-Benz. It's now New York Fashion Week. But every time you go to a New York Fashion Week that used to be in Bryant Park that is now in Lincoln Center, you see a Mercedes on display. So <laughs> when we think about the, the, the hashtags, it, even in your own tweeting, we have to become specific. And even to the point of initial caps being in tweets which, in hashtags which kind of don't work, you want hashtags to be small, to be specific, to be quick, something people can remember. And my my hashtag is is Fox San Francisco, F-O-T-S San Francisco for Fashion on Square San Francisco. And sometimes you need to do some research on the hashtags that are already out there before you mm-hmm. – now, these are people who are serious about it. Now, I'm not talking about the people who create hashtags that says eating right now. There are people <laughs> that do that. <laughs> some people say hashtag my boyfriend. So it's just – those things are just plain, but the business of Twitter and the business of hashtags is a completely different animal. So I had to do some research, and I thought even if I branded FOTS, I wanted it specific to San Francisco. Why? Because I may have Fox New York. I may have Fox Atlanta. I may have Fox, and I want that conversation to be segmented pretty much to that area. And I can always still use Fox, but when I brought that up online, you can imagine, I started seeing all kinds of stuff. So that means anybody that put the hashtag FOTS, they would get me plus about 25 other people. And that's not what I want. I want to grab it, own it, and you can't really control it, but as much as you use it, you can kind of, kind of get a handle of it. So that was an interesting phenomenon this year with Twitter in terms of Fashion Week, and those two distinctions are very important. And I don't know how many people really pay attention to that or how serious 
they, they take it. The fashion industry for me is serious business. For others, it's a playground. But for, for folks who are in it, live it, breathe it, walk it, it, it becomes very, it, it's business. So we get very, very particular about how we are perceived and how our brand is out there and things of that nature. Before I go on to the other others, did you have any, did you want me to further explain anything about what what I just shared in terms of Twitter? Well, I would definitely like for you to kind of dial it down for those who are who use social media, but they don't really understand the nuances of the hashtag. Because, like you said, um, I see where people are use, creating hashtags for things that you know. It's just it's so very personal, and that's okay. But for people who are on these social media platforms to build their business, to grow their business, to market and brand their business like I am, and it sounds like you are too, then you need to know how to use hashtags to your benefits so that it does not hurt you. Um, right. You, know, you might have enough knowledge to be dangerous, and I'm, I myself <laughs> am studying that because I'm one of those people who have enough, enough knowledge about hashtags to be dangerous. So I want to be um, precise, and I want to be um, right. more accurate when I use hashtags. So can you just give us like a, a, a history of it or the whole why we, why do we use hashtags? We use hashtags to confine the conversation. It's almost like you're going online and saying, "I want to know about art in the in a particular, say, cartoon art, say if you will." And you can go online and just Google or Yahoo or whatever search engine that you use, or Bing or whomever, and you could just type that. Well, you'll get a lot of websites. You'll get going to this website. But if you want to engage with someone one-on-one from an international perspective who's talking about a particular person, place, or thing, then you hash it and you coin it. So it becomes this way to go on Twitter and engage a actual dialogue because that's what it is. When you look at it, sometimes it's dialogue, people talking back and forth about a particular subject. Now, it's if it's broad enough, you may get art, you may get someone who is branded just general art and it will still fall under the same hashtag, but it's still in the same area. So for anyone who, and you can go on Twitter right now, you have to have a, you should have a Twitter account. In the search engine, type the pound key, the pound key, the pound symbol, and write, it needs to be short. You may say, bicycling in the Atlantis or something just very broad. See what comes up. Or you can just say bicycling. A thousand things will come up. The more specific you get, the more narrow your conversation is. So for those that are, I can, I have looked on Facebook and as I'm scrolling through, there are folks that will have five, six, seven hashtags behind their entry. But <laughs> it, it's the playful part of it. And it's not even a real hashtag. It's just there. So it's not even a real conversation. There are folks that do hashtags that don't have Twitter accounts. So they just, it's just become this thing. So for those who are really wanting to hone a conversation, you have 50,000 followers or 150 followers, and you want to start a conversation about a particular thing, subject, hash it, coin it, and then begin to dialogue. So when I began, as Fashion with Square is coming up in August, and I started doing my designer submission opening, every time I would put a tweet, and I don't do a lot of it, but every time I put a tweet on my Twitter account, followed would be Fox San Francisco. That way, anytime anybody puts in that hash, you'll see all the tweets about my designer submissions, about the designers who are confirmed, when we have our model auditions. It will be everything Fox, everything that encompasses fashion on the square. So for those who are serious, but it's also becoming a brand. It's uh-huh. amazing. And, and one thing I would not encourage you to do is brand your Twitter name with your hashtag. That is not a good idea. So, okay. for instance, the Twitter, I have two. One is glasshouse.com for communications, and one is thoughts passion. Well, I'm not going to do the hash glasshouse.com because that's my Twitter name. I need to – it'll be something else. So I wouldn't encourage someone 
to have the exact same hashtag brand as their Twitter brand. But basically, for that's what a hashtag is in short, is to narrow the conversation of a subject and to engage in individuals who are out there in the world who are also interested in it. And you have this live kind of conversation. You don't have to go and be into it every day. It's not like you have to go online <laughs> and, and step up because, but you engage in it. That That's what it's about. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm loving it. So do you find using the hashtags has um, gotten you more followers and more awareness on, on your Twitter account? You know, that's interesting because that's interesting because uh, interesting concept about followers because you end up having folks under the hash that are not your followers. So sometimes they'll just follow you that way. And sometimes they will then follow your conversation. Yes, it is a way to build followers, but just a note on that, it's not a good look for you to have 200,000 followers and you are following 10 people. So just as much as as you have to be – now, I'm not saying that if you have 200,000 followers that you should be following 200,000 people. I will say that it shows you're not listening when you're just putting it out there and having everybody follow you. You're not listening to conversation back. You're putting yourself out as the leader, the spearheader, the one and only in a particular area when you're not listening. Twitter is about listening and understanding what other people are saying, just like social media is. As As my brother would say, it's social media, so you have to be social around the whole thing. <laughs> and so we kind of, some of us dismiss that. And I can see some of the celebrities that have 2 million followers, but check out how many they're following. Now, let me also say that just because you're following 50,000, are you listening to 50,000? Isn't it a little difficult to listen to? But in the research shows, that there is a way, and Facebook has implemented, because they're tracking and technology and marketing and branding, Facebook, I'm just jumping around a little bit, is increasing. There's a way, and they they show it to you, it's free. It's free for you to look at your Facebook fan page and look at how many people are talking about it, talking about you, talking about your page, talking about what's going on in, in what you have posted. So just like Facebook fan page shows you how many people have seen your post, you can also see there on your page under the analytics how many people are talking about your post. That means sharing it. They may be commenting on that. That's talking about it. So when you really get down to the numbers are great, fabulous, a lot of followers, but how many people are talking about it, becomes the, the deal breaker. But at the end of the day, the whole social media thing is, is a phenomenon. You have, we're going to chat about Pinterest a little bit, Instagram a little bit, um, and Facebook, of course, is pretty broad. But that, that it, it becomes it, its own daily job, social media. Mm-hmm. It really is, it, it's, it's a job that I would not want to have as a, a full-time because you you are completely entrenched in technology. You never go out the front door. You you never see the air and or see the air. Imagine that. See the air. <laughs> you never. <laughs> I just coined something there. I want you to know. It was it wasn't a um, Freudian slip. It was real. So you're not out seeing the air. Seeing the air. I'm going to continue that. And you're not out enjoying. But to to dive into another area of Instagram, and I do not have Instagram. And that's just by choice, nothing bad about it. But I will tell you from a I want that dress right now perspective, you're on the front row at a fashion week or at a fashion show, and you're trying to be the first stylist to grab that dress for your client, Instagram mm-hmm. has become huge. So there are, there are folks that are, and, and there's, there are other ways you can do it. It doesn't have to be on Instagram. You can take it on your camera and then, text it or email it to the PR person. But one of the ways that Instagram is changing the industry, most of us are familiar with Wire Images, the company Wire Images. And first of all, you have to be approved 
to have your photos uploaded on Wire Images. They are the number one house for photos, legitimate, professional, high-end, high-profile photos. Well, now photographers are using Instagram as opposed to going through a lot of the credentials that are required to be a wire image photographer. So Instagram is free. They already have a following. A lot of times when you're in the media room, I've been there many, many times, years and years, you're in the media room at a fashion week. You have tons of photographers right after the show with their laptops uploading instantaneously to their website, to their client's website, or to Wire Image, or to Getty Images. Those are all the top. Well, now it's like I'm going to take it and upload it. Like it's that instant. And it's becoming, it's not taking over, but it's really a huge hit for photographers, professional photographers, who are getting that information to their clients. Because what if you don't get the Internet connection? What if they're all the plugs in the media room are taken, which they normally are? What if yes. <laughs> and you have been on many red carpets and in many green rooms and I know you know that you're you're vying for space, you're trying to get that spot and God forbid you don't have your internet connection, so Instagram and photographers are besties as some people would say right now. <laughs> They are besties, they are friends, and um, the quality is important, so you really have to have a high-end camera phone in order to get it right. But that has been um, – do you have any – what are your thoughts on Instagram? If you, if, from a, well, see, from a, my thoughts was I'm kind of archaic when it comes to the Instagram thing. I, okay. <laughs> I'm just uh, – I am contemplating using Instagram. I'll say that. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. We're in contemplation mode. Okay. We are. I realize the value, and especially since you just used the, you know, all this time talking about it and telling me how, you know, people are using that as an example of, you know, quality in your craft. So I just like to be careful when I'm posting pictures. I only want my best photos out there. A lot of people right. just like to have fun. But right. <laughs> because I'm building the national syndicated show, I have to make sure that all my photos are the best and, you know, not just for fun. So that's why right. I'm in the contemplation state. Well, some folks are using Instagram for pictures of other things, not not necessarily themselves, but I, I definitely hear what you're saying. And once it's out there, Loretta, as you know, it's a wrap. We can't yes. bring it back, swing it back, <laughs> want it back. It's, <laughs> it's pretty much done. So once it's out into that universe, um, it becomes it becomes someone else's. And on that line, uh, before we can move on to slightly different areas, is Pinterest. And I just got an account, but Pinterest for me is really, I'll say that it has become a leader in fashion, trending, and style. So there was a time, say, 10 years ago or maybe a little less, where, and I'm pretty sure they exist, that designers and merchandisers and retailers paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for companies to tell them the next trend the next color, the next pattern, the next fabric, all of that. And there was been years. So whatever we're seeing now, the pattern and trend from five years from now is already selected, or maybe three years from now is already selected and done. The research has been done. So Pinterest is actually the up-to-the-minute kind of trend, and but it's still folks are still looking towards it for forecasting. And Whatever you see on the runway was already chosen two to three years ago, but as we know, fashion, and like most things, repeats itself. It can become that thing that's going to lead to what will be in three or four years. So instead of spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I still, I still encourage that, definitely those are experts in the field when it comes to what is the next look and feel and, and pattern, but those who just don't have that kind of budget, we talk about new bloggers, new stylists, they are looking at Pinterest because there are, what, hundreds and thousands of of top designers on Pinterest who are actually showing their collection on Pinterest in, mm-hmm. in addition to your regular everyday person. So it's a economical way, I would say, for those who would love to be in the business 
they haven't quite finished school, they're still being trained, they're still under mentorship, to take those looks on a moment's notice and begin to build from it. Even though they can get it online, they can go online and go to these designer sites and all of that, it's, it's a very different feel when you can sit there on your phone and just look at a whole collection that, Ooh. and actually some designers co-previewed New York Fashion Week slash Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. They co-launched their preview online with through Pinterest. So as Mercedes-Benz was streaming it, Pinterest was streaming it. And there were top designers. Uh, Bagley Mishka did it. Burdoff Goodman did it. They both co-previewed their collection during Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. And so can you imagine... What, what kind of, and when you have a designer themselves doing it, it becomes well, a pretty. What about creative um, intelligence being, um, you know, stolen or something like that? Do they worry? Is there a worry um, for them when they pre, you know, do those selections? Well, because they, we're talking within days or minutes. Of the actual, yeah, yeah, definitely no lead time, not like two or three weeks or it was <laughs> it was up to the minute. Okay. So okay. W- once and right now, of course, you can go online and see all the shows. But if you ever, though, try to go into a regular retail store, you have to ask permission to take photos, even though it's, you're walking into a case fade or or a Chanel, whomever, a lot of them don't, don't allow photos. Now, as much as you can see that online, it's one thing to walk into a store and say you like something and you just want to send a picture to your friend and say, hey, what do you think about it? A lot of them do not allow, the, just like museums, they, there are some museums that don't allow you to take photos. But uh-huh. I, I tell you, when you think about our privacy or any kind of, any kind of protection around our creativity style is pretty much out the door because it, we're, we are an open book more than ever in this 21st century. Mm-hmm. And there are there, – it, it really is. There's nothing, there's nothing sacred anymore. There, there really isn't. The only thing I'm very extremely sensitive about is that anything that has any involvement with children, I don't care if it is a cute picture – I even and I do post my guard son on my Facebook a lot um, when we talk about the exploitation of children in any kind of way. So, but once you post it, it's out there to be tweaked. It can be photoshopped, you know, kind of. But we're going to stay positive, you know. So when it comes to social media and Pinterest, Instagram, tweeting, anything around children, I have a high, high, high sensitivity to to the point of. I come out of my shell. <laughs> yeah, I get real, real somebody yeah. else. I'm, I'm somebody else. So, yeah. right. Because I'm like, yeah. I don't even um, post my son's pictures, and if I do post them, they're with me, and I don't give their names. And that's just the yeah. way I have. Um, hopefully, are protecting them, even at this stage yeah. and at this level. I've always felt that way. I never tell people, where, you know, publicly what schools they go to because. People yeah. will use that against you. You don't have to be a Beyonce or, you know, people, you know, right. that's why Michael Jackson hid his children because he knew that he he needed to protect them and he needed to protect them in a way that some people thought was overshadowing and not best judgment. But mm-hmm. you got to do what you got to do, especially like you said, we're so visible. We're so, there are no degrees mm-hmm. of separation anymore. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it used to be six degrees. There is yes. negative five degrees now of separation. <laughs> it's just there is just no no secrecy, no privacy, no no anything. So it it the social media thing and it's sometimes a lot for their protection because so many things have happened. But from a fun perspective, a fashion entertainment, this whole phenomena is just it can be fun. And it's that's magic it's for me. It is so magic, yeah. you know, in the industry that yeah. I'm in to have available such a, a huge marketing tool that doesn't cost me mm-hmm. anything but time, which, you know, that's valuable too. But there's mm-hmm. no way I would have been able to reach you had it not been for social media. I probably eventually <laughs> would have found out about you. But um, 
again, that's one of those things where we saw each other. I think I saw you first. I watched what you were doing. Someone mentioned to you, and I started just, you know, from afar, just seeing who is he or not. And first of all, mm-hmm. it took me forever to pronounce your name correctly, as you know. And that's why I call it so much now because I'm just so proud. <laughs> but I want to say oh, thank you. Social media doesn't teach you how to pronounce words. It, do, it does everything else, though. But I had a question. Um, if you're a designer and want to attract the attention of a respected fashion industry blogger, and I think that's where we're going to go for the next half of the show because that's a good place to spend a lot of time. I mean, 30 minutes is not a lot of time, but um, it's more than we had. So what are some of the techniques to make that happen? Bloggers are growing by the moment. But let's really talk about, who's the real fashion blogger or who who is relevant, who is actually keeping their hands on the pulse of what's going on. And for starters, any designer or even myself as a fashion show producer, it's about, like everything else, relationships. So I would encourage any designer or in any industry, if you're trying to get the attention of a blogger, it could be a blogger in news and sports and whatever, actually know what they're talking about. Follow them on Twitter, comment on their tweets, follow their blog, comment on their blog, become a part of the, as my pastor would say, Pastor Gordon Humphrey, Jr., part, become a part of the national conversation. If you're not part of the national conversation, you're not relevant. And the national conversation is huge, is it not? You can pick almost any subject and be a part, but find your interest and follow that blogger and friend that blogger. And please, 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 for the first time that you personally reach out to that blogger, do not ask for anything. When Ooh. I say anything, I mean don't ask for a thing. Just, hey, been enjoying your post, you're, you're relevant, you're keeping the trends going, I'm enjoying it, and that's it. Allow the mystery of who you are to evolve from their end because what will eventually happen, as you are consistent, they'll want to know about you. So I see that you've done a couple shows. And you, you know, I like to write about you. That's the best way. So once you can get them to want to write about you instead of you saying, hey, would you write about me? Well, because if they're writing about you and offering that, they're – accepting you as relevant, would you say? If you're yeah. kind of like, <laughs> if you're kind of, I kind of need your help. Could you, like, write about me? Maybe not so much. But definitely know who you're talking to. I, I would have to say I've heard some pretty interesting stories about people who send pitches to bloggers that are completely not about what they do. And they will tag you, ping you, pin you, whatever it is, and know that you don't even know who I am. So, no, I won't spend any time. So know who they are. We, here in the Bay Area, there's a magazine called 7 by 7 Magazine, and it's last year, they do this every year. It's called The Style Issue. And in that issue, they feature the top bloggers in the Bay, the top movers and shakers, the folks who are making the making image and People want to follow them, and they feature them as well. It started out just with bloggers. Now it's about individuals who are just influential. And I keep every year, I keep the hard copy issue. As much as things are online, you can find it. I keep the hard copy issue. For me, I'm still, I'm green 50%. I need to get like 80%. But (laughs) I keep things pretty hard copy. And I keep those copies and engage every now and then with those bloggers. And most of it, in authenticity, being honest, it is about relationships. Would I love them in Fashion on the Square? Absolutely. Is it beyond Fashion on the Square? It sure is because I need to continue to grow, to be relevant, to know what designers are at, not just in San Francisco, but because the show is a national show, that that's a part of and I may never meet them. May never meet them, but that is about building relationships. So if you're mm-hmm. a designer and you're trying to attract that attention, you really need to know what they're about, where they go, where they hang out, what they just engage in their blog for sure. 
I love that. And I think that works. And I just want to add this little caveat. That works for radio and TV talk show hosts, too. <laughs> it's just a turn off when people, you know, because there's a way. And so I just, you know, I just like for things to be relational because that's the way I am. And you can be a really great um, perspective guest, but, you know, don't just, I need to be on your show. That is the worst thing I think somebody says to me. Let me know why you need to be on the show. It is, because there's no relationship value there. I have something you want. You don't want to know anything else about me but other than what I can do for you. And that's exactly. such a, I mean, a buzz killer for me. It is. It is selfish. Yeah. It is so selfish. But definitely when you talk about bloggers, I really love that truth that you just shared. Don't just mm-hmm. get in there and say, hey, write about me. You know, build mm-hmm. a relationship. Learn something about who they are. Yeah. And then it can be going. And it does have to be a, a two way because actually if you if you are gonna have this person on your show and it's not about give me some, I'll give you some. It really has to be a benefit both ways. But there are some individuals that believe having them, them being on your show will mm-hmm. give you some benefit with your ratings or whatnot. And I'm thinking you wouldn't be calling me or asking me to be on your show if I was so phenomenal and that I would, I would be so backed up with requests and I would have an assistant assistant call. It's just, you don't I guess that yesterday, and you're not. So, yes, I mean, really? I spent time going. Yeah, and my thing was then, okay, so you're saying you could help someone, but you won't help them because they won't get you on the show. So what does that say to me? That doesn't say I really need you on because you, my ratings are already great. Right. My ratings are great already. I've been doing it six years. Right, <laughs> I right. Mean, that's the wrong that's, thing to say. Now, if that happens, then that's awesome. But don't lead with that. Right. And it's with these are the self-centered, I'm it and all it and everything it is just, I thought it didn't exist as much because it has never been my world. And that does not set me in any higher ground. It, it's just different. We're just different. And a lot of times when individuals do that whole plateau thing, complete turnoff for me. And as, as much as and those who really know me, really, which is really my family, my 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 parents and my brothers really know me. As much as the things that I do, and you can share, I love to hear your insight on this as well, Loretta. As much as the work that I do is very visible. The, the fashion, the PR, the communication, the branding and marketing. The best time of my life is here at home with my dog or if or or loved one if there be one at that time and just to relax and be with yes. family and to mm-hmm. be with because the other part of it it's work and it's a lot of fun for me and it's a God-given gift but there has to be a time to hone my craft. And honing my craft is not when I'm out and working and at the high plateau. Honing my craft is when I'm, is when I'm able to be in a sacred space, in a quiet space, listening. And, the, and I think I've shared this on your show before. 99% of the time there's nothing on in my house. that You don't hear radio. You don't hear TV. The TV's on. <laughs> and it's on, it's on mute most of the time. And um, and then I have all these shows that I TiVo that I watch because, of course, I'm I'm always engaged in order to be relevant as a publicist. I'm constantly watching watching shows. I'm constantly online. But it's that craft, and my the magazines are all over the living room floor. Those who are who have the the few and far between who have been in the living room, they would see the magazines are all over the living room. That's the time to actually hone your craft. So for me, that quiet time. It's so, so important. But when I am out there, it, it is a, it's a God-given gift what I'm doing. I am not, like, turned on. It's not like this light switch, like, okay, I'm on now. It's something yeah. that, yeah, that God has given me to the work that I am doing. So from the outside, it would appear that, oh, she's in fashion and she's doing the networking and she's at these events and, and that I like to be the social butterfly. 
But if you really knew me, you would know that that corner, like my, my friend Amaka said to me one time, if we ever went out to the club together, she said, Ian, I already know as soon as we get to the club, we're going to separate, and I always know where to find you. <laughs> she said, always find me over in the corner. I'm the same like, way. Oh. Me too. All by myself. I prefer, and I'm okay. But people think, Loretta, well, I don't have to have people in my face all the time. Matter of fact, I right. I love the downtime because that's when I replenish Loretta. That's when I can, yeah. you know, really love on um, who I am as a person. I love being at home, just doing nothing yeah. with my sons and, you know, acting goofy yeah. and, you know, doing silly yeah. stuff. Then that's when I'm at my best self which allows me to be my even better self when I'm uh, doing my craft, which, I, like you, I know that this is a God-given talent. There's no way I could have dreamed this up and asked for this to be able to be as well as it is at this point. So I take it, uh, I don't take it lightly. I know what I'm put here to do. I don't get upset when people approach me all the time about whatever I'm doing because I know that's part of who I am, so I have to accept that too. But my point was, if you do that with me, then you're doing it with other people, and that's such a huge turnoff in the industry if you're not trying to be relational, which leads me to a question when we were talking about how to attract the attention of a blogger. I mean, just know the value if one of the national bloggers start talking about you. That is so huge, and you don't want to mess us, that up by coming off like so aggressively, well, when are you going to do a story about me? That is not the way. That is not the way. Because bloggers right. talk. They have, like, associations and, and meetings, yeah. you know, in the basement somewhere. So that gets, they do, that gets around. So you'll become that person that everybody wants to, you know, shine away from. But if one of them yeah. finds something that's good, then the other has a tendency to kind of pick it up, too. So just understand mm-hmm. what we're saying when we say, you know, is don't just go for the, the kill the first meeting. And, and that's, like, yeah. the number one sign of you don't know how to network to is when you go to that person and try to build a relationship, I mean, um, try to make a sale at a networking event. No, yeah. that's taboo. Do not do that. <laughs> You're absolutely okay. right. I, I hope folks are paying attention to that. And I, I want to give one more tip on the, the blogger situation. Become a blogger. So yeah, that was you, my next question. How do you do that? You I, you are a blogger if you write. I don't care what you write about. And most interns, and I know I've shared this a thousand times, if you're not writing, it will never work to be with Fashion on the Square or Glasshouse Communications. And I shared with a couple of folks who are saying, okay, I'm graduating in a couple of years, and how do I do an internship? I need to see your writing. Blogger, that you can start your own blog. I mean, it's free. You sign up and you just start writing. Now, if you want to be relevant in, in fashion, then you just have to pay attention. And WWD, Women's Wear Daily, as most of us know, is the number one, whether you want to call it leader in news and, and fashion, and that's what it is. It's daily. I am so – I can get backed up on WWD that it becomes – it's so much – but right now, a couple of things on that. They have, for anybody else, uh, for those who are, who are interested in WWD, it is expensive. But right now, for six months, there is a special, and this is not an ad for them. I'm sharing. I like to share when goodies come my way, so I want to share them with other folks. So for $59, they have a six-month online subscription. That is huge. Normally, their subscriptions are like $300 just for online for six months. It's $59. For online for six months. I don't know if it's over yet. <clears throat> I know I signed up a couple of days ago. But you want to be a blogger, you can sign up online, blogger.com, or, or any of those really familiar and popular websites. Get you a name that's catchy and just begin to write. And what you're doing is you're listening. You're, whether you're getting it from Yahoo, whether you're getting it from WWD, a lot of what people are blogging is not brand new. At all. It's something that's out there already. It's just I haven't seen it in WWD, but I saw it on Loretta's show. I didn't hear about it in in some New York Times column. I heard it on Fashion on the Square. It, it just becomes a reciprocation and a repeat of information that's already out there. But you're putting your own twist on it, and you're giving your own suggestions. So even the Fox fan page, Everything on that fan page is not fast on the square. How, I won't call it, it wouldn't be boring if it was, but 
these folks have to know that I'm paying attention to what's out there. So the team posts on the fan page different things that are going on. We're just, whether we're talking about the Grammys, the red carpet at the Grammys, the Oscars, we are, guess who's coming out with the new line, guess who just launched, as we lead up to. So I would encourage, as much as you want a blogger, be a blogger. And it may not have to be you personally. It should be someone on your team. Begin to write about your own fashion line. Begin begin to write about the things that got you there, your inspirations, the people that you're looking at. So, And then you'll start to get followers, and it kind of goes that way. So it's not difficult. But the writing part, and, and this is another thing about blogging, it doesn't have to be a dissertation. Actually, it should not. That blog posting should be pretty short, yet meaty and relevant, have great content. So it shouldn't be, at least in the fashion blogging industry, I won't say that for other industries. When you talk about news, sports, politics, you're going to get some, 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 long, some long things, but not in fashion. It should be a paragraph to the point, and then people a link to where they can read some more for sure. Mm, I'm loving this conversation. Oh my goodness, we could we have to do this again because there's so much that we can cover when it relates to um, the craze of technology companies and the fashion industry is where I want to go next with my question, and I'll just go ahead and go yeah. there because I could comment on that, but I just want us to cover how the craze of technology um, compares <laughs> to the fashion industry and just stay on target. But I mean, when you talk, I get so many ideas, I get so many questions, and I love this interaction between us because I'm trying to mm-hmm. tweet it as well and trying to read tweets, so I need right. you to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, at some point, maybe you and I should try to do the radio, and we'll test it out, Loretta, because we certainly don't want to be live and then it all goes somewhere else. But yeah. <laughs> we <should> try, <laughs> we could try an actual interaction of this show where folks see us face-to-face online. So when mm-hmm. they click the link, they see your face when you're talking, they see my face when I'm talking. Oh, that means I would have to, like, doll up a little bit. But <laughs> oh, you are funny. <laughs> but I don't mind doing that. And so everything technology that allows, at least from my, from from where I'm sitting as my pastor, I love it when he says be certain. I find myself taking little caveats from, from him every now and then, Pastor Humphrey. I I know that everything that can make what I'm doing more accessible, in fact, and we'll just stay there, <clears throat> technology companies are thinking about all the time. So if I can't get to you, what's the best way for it to be represented without crashing? So when I think about a fashion show, okay, we've already talked about the live streaming. We've done live live streaming, after streaming, a little bit before streaming. We have online. But technology wants to be more engaging. So as much as I'm sitting there and watching it go on, how can I engage in what's going on? Meaning how can I make a comment about a show and actually have some interaction back and forth. So the technology craze, from from what I'm seeing, is becoming more interactive instantaneously. And that kind of leads to when you start seeing big corporate names branding with that. So you're going to have the cell phone companies branding with it. You may have some of the, the automobile industry branding with it. Why? Because for every interaction, there may be an ad. If you look on YouTube right now, you can't even get to your video without being forced to see <laughs> a 10-second ad. I mean, it forces you. But when you look at the number of likes of that YouTube, that is what's driving those ads. So just like we know, it's no secret, and it didn't just happen in the last year, companies, just different companies selling email addresses to bump ads and all of that. It, it, it's old, but it's becoming such a multi-billion dollar business okay. that we are being forced to see ads before we could see our YouTube. So when it comes to fashion, technology companies, from what I'm seeing, are looking at how can we instantaneously create a device, an application, a movement around more instantaneous 
gratification and conversation. And I'm looking forward to doing that this year with Fox as well. So as our show is going on, it can be a contest. The first person to answer the the last look of so-and-so gets a something, something where it's either being tweeted right away or there's some type of technology that's calculating and all of that. It's, I, I'm not even in technology, so I couldn't tell you what's coming out, but I know it's coming. And it's probably <laughs> already here. It's probably already here yeah. in the U.K., and they're doing it, and we, and we have not tapped in. But technology companies are cashing in just like so many other industries in the fashion industry like ever before. It has become – and when I say fashion, I'm not talking about just clothes. Every accessories from purses to shoes to earrings to necklaces to every area of fashion, to hair, to makeup, any and everything fashion, they are putting their hands on it. And it's just becoming at a much faster rate in the last, say, five years than ever before. I don't know where we can go from here. We have, and I'm pretty sure something is being designed that will be the next phenomenon in this whole social media spectrum and technology. I'm thinking... Two-year-olds are having iPads in classrooms. So I don't know how much faster we can live this life. I love to slow <laughs> it down. You know? And, uh, I, and I, know, I know God knew this would happen, but I just have to wonder, God, what else is coming? Because we are we, – and it's, it's limiting our movement. I'm kind of moving into it just very quick. It's limiting our movement because everything is becoming so at our fingertips. How many of us are actually – getting out to move around and, and and enjoy the land of this universe. So I am certainly, and our team is certainly exploring what new technology we're going to use this year. Fashion Square is August 18th, by the way. It is going to be at the Intercontinental Hotel in San Francisco. We're super excited that it's going to be back at that venue. But now I'm thinking about, okay, what am I going to do this year that's going to be new? I had the videos running last year. I had the plasma screens. That was, okay, I want to do something different. What's going to be fresh? What's going to be, am I going to be handing out many, many units for everybody to, to, I don't know, vote on something? I don't know. It's going to be something. (laughs) I know. Whatever it is, it's got to involve technology, right? And the speed yes. of technology, for sure, because I am definitely planning to be there. I am definitely bringing a camera crew there so that we can make some things happen, too, and hopefully do some live streaming of the fashion show. Um, wow. You know, we're going to talk about it. You and I are definitely going to put our hands together and see how we can make that happen, because I've, from what I've heard and read, I cannot wait to be a part of Fashion on the Square. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. B. Michael, who was our feature designer in 2009, is excited about coming back. He, last year he launched a ready-to-wear collection at Macy's, so he is back on the, uh, with the show. Can't wait to see that. I always want to have a couple of his couture pieces, and I'm, I'll be – Streaming out tidbits of other highlights of the show as we begin to hone in on the lineup, which is going to be, I think, pretty, pretty fabulous, actually. <laughs> I am sure, because <laughs> I know you have already decided. Okay, how last year was amazing, but Thank this you. year has to top that. And how do I do that? I know you, you and your team are already having that conversation because it it has to top it, it, it and it always does. It's, it's like magic. It just always seems to happen when you have that kind of frame of mind and and you ask those questions so those answers come divinely to you. And so we have about seven more minutes in the show. And what I wanted to do because we've covered social media, we talked about hashtags, we talked about um, Instagram and the value and the curse of <laughs> of Instagram, um, depending on how you use it and what your role is when you're using Instagram and the hashtags too. So I really appreciate that. And I really like this piece on blogging and how you talked about, you know, it's relational and how important it is and that we actually are bloggers, whether we're on the national platform, um, you know, that's debatable. But if you're writing, you're blogging. So why not, you know, build build it? Build right. it, you know, <laughs> make it grand exactly. or if that's what you want. Because I have that t- tendency to, okay, if I know somebody can do hair, then I'm like, well, 
on your own beauty salon, and all they want to do is hair. So I have to, you know, kind of pull back because I just feel like if it's worth doing, it's worth being, it's worth being the best and doing your best. So I have to make sure I don't project that too much on people because I do. I'm like, okay, you want to own a car dealership? Why not own a huge one? You know, but, you know. All of us can't do that, and I understand that, so I try not to project that. But I, I get so excited about vision and excellence that I just think it should be at that, you know, rock star level, but that's not necessary for everybody. But just right. whatever you're doing, you know, do it with um, excellence and integrity. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that that part right there, the excellence and integrity, unfortunately is so few and far between. It's really sad that it is. But I, and I won't say if it wasn't learned at home, I have an amazing family. I'm super, super blessed to have an amazing mom and my brothers who we we love each other dearly and we protect each other. And we've been, we haven't had, we haven't done everything right by far, not at all. We've been given opportunities and chances. But if it wasn't learned at that stage under the umbrella of your your household or your parents, you might have to learn the hard way, and learning the hard way may mean may look like making a mistake, doing something faulty, doing something that's really not at the highest integrity, and and then your name is in, in this industry is blood. It becomes really really bad. People talk about it fast. You become the talk of the yeah, Yelp or it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a way always to bounce back. It may take some time, but it'll take a lot of hard work to win the trust back in this industry because people have so many other options that they'd rather go somewhere else and deal with somebody else than to deal with anyone who's, who's tried to do anything, any kind of harm to them. So that's you're what right. you're for, Anod. You're, you're a professional uh, PR guru, so not only do you get to promote and make things great and branded really awesomely, but you also uh, have to be a fixer, unfortunately, sometimes, I'm sure. So, <laughs> we hadn't talked about that part of your role, but I would love to talk about that sometimes because I, I know you've yeah. had to cover up some things for your clients and to help them rebuild that trust. <laughs> yeah, we, we call we call that crisis communication. That's what we call it. Um, and, yeah, actually there have been some interesting scenarios, and what I did more of was facing that issue because mm-hmm. if I were to push that issue under the rug, then it would come out at some point. I needed to face that issue, address that issue, own up to it, and do whatever it would take to regroup and rebrand that relationship. Or if it didn't get rebranded or regrouped, then at least we, the person knew or the situation was resolved at some level, but in, in yeah. PR, you're right. You have to be able to deliver the good, the good news, and the not so good news sometimes. <laughs> so you have to you be ready what? to be the spokesperson for the great news, and you yes. better be ready and have that pitch ready when it's uh, your client has done something just not okay. So. And you know what would have been great, and ha- I didn't think about it, but we'll, maybe um, next month prior to our delivering next month's topic, if we could spend a little time on, because we talk about social media, and what better place to talk about um, crisis management is when your client has said something via social <laughs> media or Instagram or something like that, and, and it becomes very negative and it tarnishes there are other great things about them. How do you manage that? How do you, when you put out a picture, because you mentioned we can't take those photos back and we cannot take out those tweets back. We cannot take Facebook uh, postings back. So as a PR person, how do you um, how do you manage that? I would love for us to spend some time there um, next month if that's okay with you and then move on into our, our topic for March. Absolutely. I'll definitely make that our start out. We'll share some, some some tidbits and some ways to manage those situations, and I'll try and give some, some examples that, um, not live examples, but some examples of things that I know have happened, and, and definitely, and then we could certainly, and if it takes more time than the topic that we choose, then let, let that be, let that be our, our drive. So that's fine. 
That's fine. Okay, because I mean, we could even relate it to a, you know, as a designer, what what if that collection just did not go over as well as you thought? What do you do? How do you crisis manage that? How do you pick yourself up and go back in? So maybe if we could, because those are like true life things that happen to us. Those things that you talk about look like failure, but actually they could, mm-hmm. you know, you could turn those things around and, and make them successful and part of your um, branding story. So, right. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it it becomes. Actually, sometimes you are forced to rebrand because of that, and sometimes that rebranding becomes something much more than you even thought at that time. So there are ways to turn it around, and a good publicist can do that. And you can do that. (laughs) Olivia Pope is not the only one that can do that. Ianod, thank you so much for being with me today on Wednesdays with Ianod Burrell, our uh, fashion and PR guru. Thank you all so much for listening. I've had a ball. I've learned so much about social media and how to use it for my advantage. We will talk to you all next time with Ianod Burrell on Revit Mary Live. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.